Lydia, how are you doing, Daniel? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm good. I wanted to talk to you about what's going on in your life. I know you've had some sad news, and this is the Godshots podcast. I'd like to put this together and interview you about what you're going through with your dad. What happened with your dad? Oh, um, you know, it's it's interesting because um, none of the feelings that I'm feeling are anything that I was expecting. I'm actually pretty comfortable with it so far. And I even went so far as to ask my wife if she thought I was acting abnormally because of that. And she didn't think so. Mm-hmm. So and my father was really in a pretty bad place uh, the past couple of months. So What happened? Actually, Can you take us back to last week? When you were going through the crisis of whether to put take him off life support, and what? Well, he wasn't. He wasn't on life support, but I did have to uh, uh, sign some paperwork for uh, the DNR if something were to happen, mm. and um, he was uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's back in October. And even so much as recently, he didn't know who I was and. He was, when he spoke, he sounded like a little boy. How old was he? It was 81. He was born in 1938. And he passed away two days ago? Passed away on Saturday at 11.42 a.m. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. I was at work. I got the phone call at work. Did you, this was expected, correct or no? It, absolutely, it was expected, mm. yes. And and my father, uh, you know, he was one of these uh, men who lived with uh, boxcars full of regret, and, and mm. that was kind of sad. And he just, he always said he had nothing to show for his life, and I'm like, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> oh, honey, wow. So, you know. Boxcars of regret, that is so, what a way to live your life, to have regret. Regret is living in the past. Well, I think uh, I personally, my my view of regret is that it's just extremely cancerous. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a horrible thing. Now, remorse is one thing. I think it's okay to have remorse. Yes, uh, the yeah. way I've described it before was, was um, I say that regret is the, uh, the definition of regret is uh, basically the same thing as holding a grudge against yourself. Yeah, exactly. Right. Does that, does that make sense uh-huh. to you? Yeah. And uh, um, the the problem with this dynamic is is uh, if you're if you're holding a grudge, say you hold a grudge against your neighbor, and they they ran into your car, or they hit your dog, or they broke a window, or whatever they did, and and you have this grudge against somebody else. Well, what do you want to happen? You you want you want the other person to be punished at some level that you feel is going to balance the scales. Uh-huh. It, it, that's what your ego is telling you, right? You're going, well, I think this person needs to have some sort of a setback so that I feel that I've been justified based on how I think I've been treated by this person. Mm, interesting. And the problem is, is when you have a regret or you're holding a grudge against yourself, the brain's first order of business is self-punishment. Right. And you don't even know you're doing it. Everybody's wired exactly the same way. Self-punishment, so you do this, uh, yeah. You do. You have a regret, and then you run this program that says, I better punish myself. And uh, wow. you don't even do it. Everybody does it. And, and uh, even worse is, every time you punish yourself, 
you get more regret. <laughs> yeah. You start going down this stupid spiral. Terrible cycle. But wait, some people, and, some people, po- political leaders right now in power, a lot of them do not have regret. <laughs> I can tell. But it's on another well, on well, level. They probably don't have a soul either. So, yeah. You know. yeah, the narcissist <laughs> mentality. But wait, who regret, am I to judge? regret I, I actually know people who have suffered from severe back pain because they look back too much. And that once they realize that they're, they're living in regret, their back pain clears up. This happened to three people I know. They had ailments. A lot of our emotions are carried in our body. We carry pain and grief and emotion deep in our cells, in our cell membrane, and in our, in our muscles. Yeah, it's, it, it's um, it, uh, the way I've said it before is, is we should walk forwards through life, but it's okay to have a rearview mirror. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. fine. You, you yeah. know, you look in the rearview mirror, go, look, this is what I'm trying to get away from, but... If you turn around and try to walk forward to life backwards, that is, you're constantly looking behind you but trying to make progress, you're right. going to fall constantly. Right, exactly. And not only that, you're going to blame what you see behind you on the fact that you're not making any progress, which is just not the, that's just not the way things work. Exactly. You can't form good decisions today if you're basing it on the past. You have to stay in the moment of today. Today creates tomorrow. It's not regretting. It's really, really painful. I mean, I actually have a funny joke, a funny thing I read somewhere that said, if you have one foot in tomorrow and one foot in yesterday, you're pissing on today. And today is where God intersects humanity, human life, the present moment. Yeah. It is now. It's certainly not. uh, uh, And the more we look into the past, the more we inevitably recreate that. And then... Now we go. Oh, look! Here's our, here's the excuse. I, I, it's happening again, and and that's just that's just not the way things are. I mean, uh, um, I, I quit using the word blame years and years and years ago. Uh, you you're in the program, uh, mm-hmm. same as me. And what I hear from people, especially when they first get into the program, and it just honestly it makes my eyes roll a little as they say, "You have no idea what I've been through." And to be perfectly honest. I don't care. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean anything. I don't no, care what you've doesn't. been through because you're in the same spot I am right now. Exactly. Your past, your past leads to this point in time. Right. The question is, my sponsor used to say there's no right answers to the wrong questions, <laughs> which means if you keep getting wrong answers, you've got to change your question. Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, exactly. It, it, so you can't say... Um, why, uh, why, is, why, why is my life so screwed up because of my past? That's a wrong question. Totally. It doesn't mean anything. You can go forward and not take anything that's behind you with you. Mm, I love that. If we were to really shed yesterday and say yesterday's over, I've lear- I'm learning what I can from it, but I'm not dwelling in the past and regretting. I have, to just this, I have this one moment to make things better today or to lead with my, to lead with the forward, with the hope. You're right. So the question is, is how do you get out of this cycle of, of um, regret? How do, you, how do you stop running this program that says regret, regret, regret all the time? Well, mm-hmm. we go back to the example of where you're holding a grudge against your neighbor and you decide to let that go. You say, all right, I'm, 
I'm not going to hold a grudge against my neighbor anymore. I am going to bury the hatchet or mend fences mm-hmm. or what's that called? Make amends. It's, it's called forgiveness. Forgive. Right? Oh, for so you love forgiveness. Yeah. You're, you're going to forgive your, your neighbor. You say, I'm going to forgive my neighbor. Yeah. So if that's the way out of the cycle, that mm-hmm. means the only way out of the spiral of self-destruction where you constantly punish yourself is to go to the mirror and say out loud, and you got to say it out loud, mm-hmm. I forgive you. Mm, to yourself. You've got to say it to yourself. You have yeah. to say that to yourself. Because forgiveness is the energy of acceptance, and uh, it's the energy of uh, how much love you have for yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it just is. I love that. Forgive so. yourself. Exactly. Buddha, can you the, hear uh, our dog barking in the background? Buddha. Oh, sure. Maybe she, 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 <laughs> doggy agrees. Buddha's the one who bit me on the nose. I've forgiven him. I forgive oh, no. you. <laughs> I was in the ER. Oh, um, <laughs> anyway, yes, that's beautiful. Forgive yourself. The, mm. the interesting thing is, is that, and this has been my experience, is that most people have a distorted idea or definition of what forgiveness is, which is why they say, I can't forgive. They, they have the wrong definition. Mm. And the definition of forgiveness, here, let me give you an example. I was working with a gentleman who was trying to sober up years ago. His name was Scott. Mm-hmm. And I said, and he had a lot of bitterness, you know, about yeah. how things had gone in his life. And, and it was understandable. And I said, look, Scott, you, you're going you're gonna to have to learn how to forgive or you're going to die. Right. You're, I mean, and, and you're going to die in a lot of pain. <laughs> Not right. only that. So... I said, so spill the beans. What's going on? What, who, who's the number one person you can't forgive in your life? And he said, well, it's my brother. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. Um, what's going on between you and your brother? And I wish it wasn't as common as it is, but there was uh, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse oh, there. And so and it was just the horrible stuff that you really, uh, you know, Stephen King wouldn't touch. Right. But... Um, and it was bad. And I said, okay, you know, I, okay, I get that there was bad things there. And I said, so let me start asking you some questions here, Scott. So we'll do some role playing, okay? I'll be your brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I said, if you're, if, does he know where you are? And he says, no. I said, okay, so right off the bat, mm. you're the person keeping the door closed, right? You're the person that has set up the roadblock just in case uh, there wants to be some healing that takes place here, correct? Wow. And he goes, well, yeah. So okay. Well, you know, that's the first issue. So the second is, Ed, look, um, let me ask you something. If your brother was standing right in front of you, mm-hmm. right now, I'm your brother, and he goes, look, um, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take all of the pain and hate and anger and angst and darkness and bitterness and everything that's inside of you that is this black storm that just constantly gives you nightmares and headaches and and follows you around. I want you to take all of that and pop it out and give it to me 
and I will take over all of this garbage that you have in you, and you can go skipping off art and rainbows, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is there a way to do that? Can you can you possibly do? Can is there a way that somebody else? can take your pain. And I'm talking to Scott about this. Mm -hmm. And he says, and he's shaking, and he's turning pale. And he says, no, I guess not. And I said, look, (laughs) Mm -hmm. forgiveness is not about saying that what the other person did is right. right. It's about you dropping the feelings that are killing you that nobody else can do anything at all about. Right. Nothing at all. And he fell to his knees and started sobbing. Mm. He really did. Right in front of me, just turned into a, a bowl of jelly. And I said, you know, you got to drop this stuff. Mm-hmm. All that hate will really make you sick. Yeah, the forgiveness is, it, it only helps you. It helps you. You can't control the other person's feelings about you. You can't fix it for them, but you can release yourself from the pain of, of the constant agony and regret. And it means you have a conscience if you're constantly dwelling in that. I mean, good people suffer, you know. So when you look at forgiving yourself, and you go to the mirror, and this is tough to do, and you say, I'm not going to punish myself for the things in my life that I think are flaws anymore. Hmm. I'm not going to do that. I'm not not going to. There's no more punishment. I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to. I'm going to stop judging myself. Because first of all, God doesn't punish us. Yeah. I want I I want to I want to improve all the time, Lydia. I really do. I want to become a better person. Why not? Mm -hmm. But I do not see where I am as being wrong or uh, some sort of uh, a mistaken road or something like that. I just don't do that anymore. Good. And the the other thing too, and this is the saddest one of all. Oh, boy. Uh, I can go into state on this, so it's a little bit tough. But here it is. Mm -hmm. And this is the truth of it. When people say, (laughs) Mm -hmm. when people say, I wish you'd forgive me, what they really mean is, would you please stop hurting yourself? Mm. Wow, I wish you'd forgive me. That's a deep that's, one. That's a deep that's one. That's what they mean. Except they sometimes they, mean, will you forgive me because I'm feeling tethered to you through this pain. We're, we're sharing a mutual... They, they also want to be released from it as well. Yeah, and I, I think that, that, that subconsciously people are just so beat up over seeing the people that they love hurt themselves. Yeah, yeah. They... It really does, you know, suck all the calories out of your day, uh, just yeah. watching people just go over and over and over again. My father had that. He yeah, had, yeah. He just had regrets that, and I'm like... My mother, and too. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do anything for him. You can't anyway. And even if, ethically speaking, even if I could snap my fingers and make somebody's life better, I wouldn't do it. But what you're talking about is, I, a, is a form of codependent agony that we're all engaged in when we're in this in the program a lot of us have parents that make us feel constantly my mother and I had a toxic relationship and I had to always be responsible for her feelings she put it on me 
And as a child, that's a, lo- a big burden to bear. And it took me years to, to let go. When I finally let go, she felt the letting go. And she panicked. And, I, and it was through forgiveness. You're right. It was through forgiveness that I was able to release everything. I thought I was always responsible and guilty for her feelings. But we're in yeah. a toxic dance. I mean, we have codependent feelings in, in this. A lot of people who have addiction and alcoholism and depression issues are engaged in that kind of codependent behavior. We feel responsible for other people's feelings. The question is, is, is why do we do it? I mean, why, why, why go through this, especially if you know it, and that's even worse, especially if you know how it's wired. Never ask why. Why do it? And I, Never ask why. And I say, <laughs> yeah. I say the reason why we hold on to um, these horrible excuses is because they justify lousy behavior. Yeah, as soon as, exactly. as, soon as yeah. we let go of all that stuff, there's no justification right. for doing all this stupid garbage anymore. Oh, that's a good one. There's exactly. no blame. Yeah, you're right. That's I mean, exactly what happens is you let go of all this blame, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're, my, uh, one of the funniest things that ever happened to me was um, probably about three or four months into my recovery. I was sitting at the kitchen table with my sponsor, and he was constantly pissing me off. Um <laughs> Yeah. He, I mean, I, I was mad for like a year, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> when, I was, yeah. when I first sobered up. And I was just mm-hmm. like, Rrr. you know, and I was constantly grinding my teeth, but it was still better than drinking. Anyway, <laughs> so, he said, I have a question for you. And I'm like, all right. And he goes, uh, alive or dead, fictional or not, anybody you can think of from Bugs Bunny to Hitler to Jesus, it uh-huh. doesn't really matter. Can anybody on this planet make you do something you don't want to do. Mm. And I thought for a while, and, he, and I said, no, I guess not. He goes, congratulations, everything's your fault. Ah! Oh, my gosh. And I had two words for him. The first one start with F. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. But he was right. He, he was absolutely correct. And the thing is, is, is I've had this uh, uh, conversation with other people before, and they go, people can make you do something. I'm like, no, they can't. I said, look. The dumber the scenarios get, the more it proves itself. If uh-huh. if somebody's holding a gun to my best friend's head mm-hmm. and says, take this drink or I'm pulling the trigger, do I have a choice? Oh, God. Damn right I do. Yeah. You're damn right I got a choice. Now, granted, it's a lousy choice. I will hand you that. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. The choice is... is <laughs> Obviously, you're gonna you're gonna do the uh, one way, but you always have a choice. Yeah. You always have a choice. There, me, it's that's never not there. Let me go back back earlier. I didn't get to ask you this question. You mentioned your friend who ended up in a puddle of tears that you're in, sobbing when you were talking to him, and talk, you talked about his resentment toward his brother, and the the one who lets the person know where they're living and where they are lets them back in. It, completes the circle of forgiveness. But what about, in that case, who, who was the sexual abuser? Was it one of the brothers, or was it the father? Yeah, that was, yes. Well, according to him, uh-huh. he was being abused by his brother. Well, why would this person... It would take a lot to forgive that kind of thing. Are there degrees, oh, yeah. are there degrees of not letting them back in? That, that's almost... There are forbidden things, and it, it's it's the the point to me was is that all the feelings he had toward his brother 
he couldn't let he was the one that had to let go of him no matter what even if right. his brother wasn't there there's no other way to do it right. you you're the one that has to drop that right totally and you can't live in that constant i have a friend who defines herself on the fact that her parents her father abused her but she lives in that all the time and it's given her an entire friendship base and career and wound mates they call it you know people that suffer together create wound mates and in a way, it's her de- defining qualities, this, this abuse. And she's living in that. She's made a whole career out of it. And that's another whole beast. I don't know what that's about. But it gives her her validation. I have another friend who gained a lot of weight. And she had so many fr- she's so beautiful. But the weight makes her feel like she's loved by everyone. And she never has to compete for affection. Everyone loves her because she's this cuddly, big creature it's a very strange thing, you know, she doesn't want to give up the weight because then she'll have to face the other hard decisions of life, you know, are people going to love me for other reasons or do I have to stay thin to be to get love? You know, that's a whole other another category. Now, that, now, now we're talking about uh, being self-actuated, right? Ooh. I mean, they're self-actualized, uh, you know, uh, Abraham Maslow, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, where he says, uh, um, you need to be independent of the good opinion of others. And I've written about that. And it took me a long time to, to figure out just exactly what it meant. That's important to, to me, to discuss that. To be independent of the good opinion of others. And I remember, I, am, I I don't care what people say about me. It doesn't matter. I mean, uh, somebody says something bad about me, and I'm like, well, you know, you're just defining yourself. Uh, yeah, I you're lucky, because you. I still do. I still care, because, and it's... I don't want to care anymore. I feel like I'm graduating. But it does hurt when you hear public criticism of your work or, you know, the way you look. I have a lot of, in my era, when I I was a sex symbol on TV, and when I turned 30, a lot of people said, well, you can't work anymore. Your only value was in being completely supple and youthful. The minute you have a single wrinkle or you gain one pound, you're no longer valuable. That's what what it was like in my era. And I let that define me for years, you know. Yeah, I I, I, know, I understand that. I mean, uh, um, it's it's funny at least, and and it's it's certainly a lot more different from for men than women. Yeah, I mean that's there's <laughs> totally. just a completely different dynamic there. Right. I mean, uh, I, I've is. got uh, I've got nieces that think Sean Connery is sexy. I'm like, whatever. You know, really? <laughs> How old are they? I'll yes, never I'll course. never catch up to him, even though he's thirty years older than him, you know. So. Men are allowed to be sexy with crow's feet and gray hair and, you know, wrinkles, and women are not. Imagine Sean Connery as a woman and see men lusting after him at the age, at well, any you age. Know, and, you and know, I think, I think there are sexy women out there, and I'm 55. Yeah. I think there's uh, sexy women out there that are older, and it has nothing to do with their looks. Right. Uh, Helen Mirren is a perfect example of that. Exactly, but she's the only one. There's one Helen Mirren, and no one else has the confidence to do what she does. And she's amazing. You're right. And she has sex appeal well, and, at an older age. Um, uh, uh, Judy Dench is another one. Which obviously we British also. Judy Dench is but, also not a not a sex symbol. She's a character actress, so she can play anything, and we love her. But it's not and, um, you know, based on beauty. Who's that gal that, that was um, that was in uh, uh, Harry Potter? Oh, Maggie Smith. Betty Smith is another one. She, you know, and um, <laughs> I remember seeing her when I was a little boy. Going, man, she's pretty. And uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. if you remember um, Murder by Death, yeah, she was in that movie. <laughs> I love that yeah, movie. Great. 
great it was so movie. Fun. It's hysterical. Those uh, clue type <laughs> movies are nice. Really out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, uh, yeah. uh oh, I can't hear you. Yeah. This phone connection isn't so great. Can you move to a let me see, keep talking. I'm trying to get make sure we can hear you. I'm just sitting at my kitchen table. Do you want me to move? No, now I can hear you. So every now and then it just oh, comes okay. in and out. Um, so you're going through this process of grieving, and it's all, always complex. But tell us what you're feeling. Keep talking. Tell me everything you know about life, because I love listening to your mind. And what I love about you is that you write every day. You seem to be very proactive about helping and sharing your wisdom. And I believe your, I, your uh, mind is linked up to the higher thoughts. In other words, a lot of people share so-called wisdom, but it's base materialism, and it's connected to nothing that helps us in life, you know? That's what most of gossip and is. You, you hit the nail on the head. My goal is to share, not to preach. I, mm -hmm. I, I, would, I, I think it's uh, unethical to try to tell people what to do. Yeah. I think it is. I, think it, I do think it's immoral to share with people what's working in your own life. Uh -huh. I think that's that's a, a good thing, but to try to shove somebody else in the same direction as you—that's you're—that's just uh, someone trying to reinforce their own belief system by getting somebody else to do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, now, as far as grief goes, um, I don't know. It, it's odd because I'm actually extremely relieved that my father is in a better place. Mm. Um, I, I really am, and, and uh, um, it didn't bother me at all to see what was left of them here, knowing that the rest of them was gone. Wow, good. I mean, um, it just, I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe three weeks from now, I'll, I'll feel different, but right mm -hmm. now, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping, I'm comfortable, and I'm just taking care of things, and, mm -hmm. and I don't seem to be... Uh, on my heels about it at all. I really don't. Not yet. Uh, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to deny that it's possible later on. I won't feel anything. And I do. I do think. I do. My opinion is that most men, especially when they are younger, mm -hmm. their problems stem from an inability to process emotion. Ooh, that's a good that's, one. I'm, right. I'm. I'm very very. Uh, I talk about that a lot, and mm. I write about it a lot. Right. I mean, um, we have our egos or our armor, and we have an emotion and we repress it. We're taught from this from the time we're little boys. You know, big boys don't what? That's so know. sad. That's sad. And, and so, and you hold it all in, and great, now go beat up your wife and rob Seven Eleven because we need more mm. of that behavior, right? I right, mean, right. So... Uh, and I'm just look. I'm just this blue collar schmuck, right? Uh, I'm not. I'm not college educated <laughs> on this or anything. It's just. It's all this is is observation. You're not a schmuck, and you're. Gosh, you're more. You're. You're incredibly brilliant. So it doesn't really matter whether you're um, being college educated or not. It's what we do with our mind that counts. You know, my observation, though, with men, as far as feelings go, is this: is is that when we generate a feeling and we decide not to express it, that means. It's been created, uh -huh. it's been manufactured, but it has not been presented yet, right? So mm -hmm. it's bouncing around between our spirit and our ego, between the body and the armor, whatever you want to call it. Three things happen. These three things always happen. Mm -hmm. And you've seen it with other men. 
and, and it's going to ring a bell with you because it's very, very common. It comes out, it comes out mutated. Mm-hmm. It comes out uh, amplified. Mm-hmm. And it comes out unexpectedly. Those mm-hmm. three things, always, because it finds a crack and all of a sudden it's shooting out, which is why you find yourself sitting in front of the TV at 2 in the morning watching an infomercial crying, right. wondering what the hell is going on. Because all of a sudden, over here, it got out, and you go, well, I don't understand what's going on. It's because you're not processing your emotions. Exactly, and all, all these mass shootings, I think it's a result it's not, of just not caring and nurturing each other and, and understanding men's... I don't know. There's a lot behind that as well, but it's it's not emasculating or effeminate to be a passionate person. Of course, not. it's just not. That's such crap. It, it, it's it really is. It's just total garbage. I know. To be stoic all your life? Well, what the hell? I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. It's not Why human. would you want to be that way? It, you're right. It's inhumane you know, in a way. Yeah. To to point the road sign towards somebody else. You know who Tony Robbins is? Big, tall, handsome guy, kind of horse faced. Yeah. <laughs> he's, but he's but he's extraordinarily confident, mm-hmm. and he's extremely passionate. Right. Yes. And he's he's 100% man. Right, of course. He's a man. He's not, he, he's, a, he's, he's all man. Right. And, and, uh, and he's extremely expressive, and he's good at it, because he's trained himself to be able to go out there and actually express what he's feeling. Of course. Men, the and, only and men I trust are the ones with, yeah, of course. That's an old... It seems like an old, uh, you know, tale from the past. In the 50s, men are supposed to be strong. And, I mean, men are supposed to be strong, I guess, but without emotion, they don't feel like they're, whole, they're, they're not human beings. They're not completely human. Yes, yes. And, and, uh, and it, I think it's just an absolute crime that we live in a society, especially for younger men. It gets easier as they get older. And that one you already, this one you already know since I say it, but... We live in a society where it is taboo for one man to say to another man, I love you. Yeah. And have it nothing, it has nothing to do with sex. Of course not. That's, why is that even part of the equation? It shouldn't be there. Yeah. My, my, biggest, my biggest epiphany that I had while I was extremely active in AA was realizing in the middle of a meeting that I'd never told my best friend I loved him. Mm-hmm. And I had a, I had a, I had a, a, a freaking breakdown in this meeting. I was on the floor. Mm. Wow. I really was. And uh, I was like, I was like, what the heck is wrong with me? There's a, there's an entry on my uh, blog. It's the most, it's the most popular entry on my blog, number fifty-five. Uh-huh. Is it fifty-five? No, it's not number fifty-five. It's, um, it's number fifty-three. Um. And it's about how I reacted to 9/11, mm. and I thought I thought something was wrong with me. Yeah, I, I really I did, and uh, um, it was actually really hard to write about. But I thought it was an important one to point out. But in in essence, when I saw what happened, I saw it live, and I was working at a high school when it happened. And um, my first reaction when I saw the second tower fall was. Uh, that I thought it was pretty good special effects. Oh my God! You're kidding? You did think that? No, and and, and I might I might have even I, and I'm not sure, but I might have even said that out loud mm-hmm. when I saw that because and I was I was so detached from what I was seeing 
that I, I couldn't I couldn't grasp what was going on. So my mind went to the first uh, um, connection I could make to these images, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'd read a it was in Reader's Digest, believe it or not, back in the eighties, um, an article about violence in movies and TV, and I was pretty prejudiced toward my own point of view ahead of time, and by the time I had finished the article, I changed my mind. And what they were saying was is that, and I'm sure video games would be included in this today, mm-hmm. uh, but they weren't realistic enough back then. But when, you, when you're watching, and I said, you know, if you watch, you watch violence on TV, you know, the A-Team or whatever you watch or anything, uh, Burn Notice, uh, violent TV show, Mm-hmm. And um, you watch it, even if it's it doesn't matter if it's fake or not. You get you get used to seeing a picture of violence, even if it's fake, even if it's not sensitized to what you might possibly see. So that when the real thing happens, it's not as horrific as it should be. Yeah, it's exactly. Not nearly yes, exactly. As, it's you're not right. Really as shocking as it could be because you're used to seeing images like that anyway. Right. And. Um, that's exactly what happened to me was uh, um, I've just seen so many, you know, explosions and whatever on TV. And I'm not blaming that. I'm not. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. that's that's I, I thought I was broken. I thought something was wrong with me. A couple of days later, I was just, you know, I was wondering if I really needed to go see a shrink. And mm-hmm. I was sobbing and everything going, what's wrong with me? Why didn't why didn't I react a certain way? Mm-hmm. And not only that, I do think it's it's a. Uh, Defensive measure, too. I, I think there's some logic to say, yeah. you know what, you, you've got to be able to put it, in order for you to absorb this, you don't want to make it too realistic or you won't be able to react. Mm-hmm. So, well, we all, I, I think, think we all thought it was fake. That. In the beginning, it looked fake to me, too. I have two little boys yeah. at home. I raised three boys, and I, always, I write stand up comedy about my pain in life, so. Raising boys was really interesting, and I taught them to feel and to express themselves, but they still were so influenced by society that they did not, um, they still don't cry easily. My son is 25 now, and he's like, Mom, don't be so emotional. Don't, you know, he he seems to keep a stiff upper lip, (laughs) which is a funny expression. I was talking to my boyfriend about, his, his father used to say to people when they were in pain, he'd go, keep a stiff upper lip. I'm thinking, boy, is that ever an expression that doesn't help anyone? But but, <laughs> but the next question begs begs is why? I mean, yeah, why? Why, exactly. why keep a stiff upper lip? What's the point of doing that? Why? why so you look why strong, not right? It's just about how you look and how you present yourself. It's all in the material. We 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 have a tendency to label that with weakness, and it's it's nothing mm-hmm. of the sort. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I've said no, before, if, strength, if, if you really. Oops. If you really want to be a tough guy, if you want to walk out of the world and be tough, mm-hmm. if you really do, if you want to walk out the front door and say, I'm going to be tough, from a man's point of view, mm-hmm. then you have to do the things in life that are tough. And what is one of the toughest things to do? Express yourself, right? Okay? So that means the toughest guys are the ones that are most expressive because hardly anybody does it. Exactly. That's wow. a difficult thing to do. I can't believe we're even talking um, about this now in this in the 21st century. It seemed like we went, I felt like we went through this 10, 20 years ago or 50 years ago, but no, we haven't. Maybe I'm jumping. Nope. I'm jumping. I'm thinking that people are evolved now. 
I have this line in my book where it said, my husband promised to be more evolved by November. And he, you know, it's as if maybe I'm living in a world where I believe people are catching up to the new way of living, which is to express yourself, to be free and open, to to not wear your heart on your sleeve so much, but to be completely uh, well, see, available to your emotions, you know? I actually agree with you. I think the world is getting better, and the reason why is because there's a lot more defense against it. Mm. So, so the more something moves one direction, the more the people that are threatened by that movement come out and make a voice against it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So I do think things are moving that direction. It's just that we have a tendency as a species to pay attention more to negative things than and there's a good reason for that. There, right. I mean, there's, there's an instinctive reason for that. For what? Say but that again. I just, you just, you're, there's you're, an instinctive reason for being more negative than positive. There really is. And what is that? The hunter-gatherer, you know, the, the, the fight-or-flight mechanism? Well, we, the fight, yeah, from the limbic system, yes. That's the first reason is that, mm-hmm. is that, um, we want, we look at a situation and we say, what's the best, safest route for me to keep going here so that I'm not going to die. And so you're going to, yeah. you're going to go, all right, this is the direction I'm going to go. So there's going to be an automatic, what's the worst thing that's out there that, uh, I want to avoid. And so that's, that's just built in and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think, especially for, we're going to back to men here again, mm-hmm. especially for men. And it does happen with women too, is. Whatever approaches us in life, whatever challenge we come across, we have two thought processes. We say, how can I fix this or how can I make it better? We, we think those two things. Right? Mm, mm-hmm. And when we do, we automatically look for lack. We look for where something's lacking. Mm. And so we go, where, where is the, the, the negative part of this that I can make better? And so we're frankly wired to go, what's the bad thing first? Yeah, and that's not necessarily a horrible way of thinking. It's that but that's I don't, what we see first. But I don't like the the news, the, the uh, creed credo. If it bleeds, it leads. Because newspapers now, all we do is focus on tragedy and chaos and, and traffic accidents and murders and serial killers to the point where it's an industry made out of forensic files, which we all love. I mean, it's kind of addictive watching CSI and forensic files. But it feels as if our world is completely full of danger all the time, and we're we're revved up. It's as if our adrenal glands are shot. I don't know how we're surviving in this. There's so little hope. Yeah, my and wife love watches the I network all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she does. And uh, but, I, I call it. I, I've, I, I have a slang term for this. I call it the Jerry Springer syndrome. Yeah, right? exactly. That's what it is. And what it, what it is is that we're we're stuck in this uh, habit of saying of. of automatically surrounding ourselves with people we think are worse than we are. So by default, we can prove to ourselves we're not doing that bad. So we go, okay, this person's an idiot over here, and here's the Kardashians, and then there's the government. Okay. Whatever we're that doing to try to convince ourselves that these people are morons and we're doing okay. But right? also that's because we want to appear good. We want to be good. And Taylor Swift yeah, we do. has a song out right now that talks about how her whole life was motivated by wanting to be good, the good person. You're right. It's like this validates us in some way because we're not living in a world of feeling whole. Yeah, that makes but, a lot the, of sense. The problem is, is if we try to feel good by comparing ourselves to others, we're still not doing anything. No, we're, we're just putting others down. In one place. We're not actually doing anything. We're just standing there, which is no wonder everybody's depressed right. and suicidal because they're not functioning. 
Oh, interesting. That's like, it's, it's, what's the word? Schadenfreude or Schaden, Schadenfreude, Freud. Regis Philbin used to talk about it all the time, how he loves, you know, he, he gets gleeful off the misery of others. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. But we were, we, you know, we, some we people do, and, and, yeah. and it's misery loves company, so here we go around the mulberry bush, yeah. and everybody joins in, and, and, it's, and, and it, I'll tell you what's really sad, is because everybody's doing this, yeah. all you have to do is so very little to get above the right. heads of everyone else, because nobody's doing it. Exactly, that's very no, good. Wow. Nobody's moving forward, and so a little bit of movement looks like a lot. Wow, really? So you, so you feel that... To me, I keep seeing all these motivational speakers, and I subscribe to a lot of people who are trying to stop procrastinating, get your work done, get your work out to the world. And that's my big issue, is that I, I'm not lazy, but I'm sort of fear-based at times about getting my work out to the world. I'm afraid of rejection. So I dawdle sometimes. And, and I keep thinking everyone else is so fast, and they're doing everything. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just talking about it. <laughs> You know? uh, because the energy and the acceptance is in the talking about it just like this is. Mm. I, I, have, I have one for you that, uh, that really blew me away. And my, like I said, my sponsor, major, and he, um, he used to read Alan Watts, if you know Alan Watts. Yeah, and, you know, and all, all kinds of other, other people that he uh, uh, steered me toward when I first uh, went into recovery. But anyway, he said, and he used to give me half of an equation and let me figure out the rest quite a bit. And, mm-hmm. and that way the wheels would turn, right? It took me a while to figure this one out. And if you have any common ground at all, you're going to roll your eyes too. But mm-hmm. he said, you have a fear of success. And yeah. I'm like, B, I don't know. I don't buy that. And he goes, no, I'm telling you, you have a fear of success. And yeah. you need to get over that. Why? And I'm like, what? And so I... I actually had to run that program for a while to get it. It took a while for me to get it, but I finally got it. And I'm still running it, by the way. Uh, Yeah, tell me. (laughs) Okay. So here's the sentence, and most people can finish it. The reason why I have a fear of success is because with all success comes what? Work. Obligation? Responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Responsibility always, always accompanies progress, period. And people don't want to be responsible. Interesting. They they don't want to take on further responsibilities. And so they they think, and it's the same with me. Look, what if I get my book out there and all of a sudden it's it's this huge. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm the same as you. And I'm like, you know, I got to tell you, am I scared of that? You're damn right I am. Yes, yeah, absolutely, I am. If but you let love guide that. you, though, if you let love guide you, you can finish. Let me just let me just interrupt for a second. I have noticed that as as a public figure, I do. I don't know. I started letting love guide me more, and I've called people personally on the phone that were on the verge of suicide recently. The other day, a, a man I don't know at all. We, we're completely opposite political stripes we don't agree on anything but he reached out to me and said he didn't want to live and I talked him down off a ledge I pray to God he's okay today but that was a, almost an hour Dri- I mean driving into town because I'm, I'm in the car I, ca- I can call people because I'm not working but when I'm home I'm trying to write and organize things but it was really the responsibility it is a big responsibility to be there for people 
And you can't do that on a personal level if you're super famous and you're out there doing books. I mean, once you're right. Once your book comes out or my book comes out, I don't respond to the 40,000 other messages I get, but I'm really thrilled that when love guides me, I'm able to be there sometimes for people. And it doesn't feel that. It doesn't feel like work. It's a higher power guiding me at times. And when I surrender to yes, that, I'm not um, working so hard myself anymore, you know. It's serendipity, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what Godshots is. 